Good morning, good morning, fam. Welcome to River City. If you're new here, we're glad you're here. I like you already. My name is Becca. I'm the worship and media director here. Um, we're glad you're here. Live stream, drop us a comment. If you're watching, we'd love to see who's in the chat. Um, so if you would, we're going to stand together and read our lectionary passage from Psalm 148 this morning. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded that they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monster and all the deeps. Fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds. Wow. <laughs> Kings of the earth and all prophets, peoples, prophets too, princes and rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful. All his faithfulness? All his faithful. For the people of Israel who are close to him, praise the Lord. So here's just an encouraging word for you today. You can praise the Lord wherever you are, whatever that looks like, whether you came in super pumped to be here or you drug yourself here because you thought you needed to come. If you did that, I'm glad you're here. I have many days like that, but you don't have to conjure Jesus up this morning. Amen? Amen. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be excited enough or enthusiastic enough. You can just be how you are. And Jesus wants to meet with you. So Jesus, as we come this morning, just as we are, we thank you that you are faithful to be here. We thank you that you're faithful to meet us and we can praise you just how we are. You are worthy of our time and attention this morning. Faithful through the ages, faithful through generations, we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you for our friends in this room, our neighbors next to us, and all the things that you're doing in their lives. We thank you that we can see your hand at work around us today. We bless you in this house today, Lord. We ask that you would make yourself known among your people. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship together. Lord, hear the prayers of your people. Father, we pray for the universal church that we may all be one. We pray for the pastor in China, recently imprisoned. We pray for the grandmother in Laos whose family has disowned her. We pray for the 29 members of a church in Eritrea who were imprisoned for their faith. Hold them all closely to your chest, Lord, please, this morning. May they know your presence. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you, that your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all the pastors, priests, ministers, and church leaders, that they may be faithful ministers of your word and compassion. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world, local, statewide, nationally, and across the globe. 
that there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake, that our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble, that they may be delivered from their distress. We especially lift up Anna Grace in the West family as she continues to recover from her accident and several surgeries. We also lift up Mariah's brother Pete. We pray that your presence be tangible to him and their family. We pray for Joan Powell as she continues to get stronger through physical therapy. We lift up the people affected by the shooting in Buffalo yesterday. Be with those families as they deal with the senselessness of what has happened. Be near to them, Lord. Be near to them, Lord. Give to the departed eternal rest. Let your light perpetually shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. We thank you that we can share in your heavenly kingdom as well. If you have any prayer need of your own, you can share that out loud now. thank you that you meet us where we are, whether we came in exhausted or full of joy. You say, come, follow me. We are here this morning, Lord. Thank you for setting a table before us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you guys have not met a friend of mine, Reese, Reese is here today. He's over there. He is going to be moving. He's, he's going to be a Florida man as of tomorrow. Going to be moving to Florida. So we're going to pray over him. And as you are coming up to the front, <laughs> I've been asked to not allow anyone to touch him. And it wasn't a joke. So as a parting gift, we are not going to touch him. And that's really hard to do. But so... Would you just share for a moment about what you guys are about to do? Um, I know that you're not prepared for this, which is one of the reasons I'm asking. Um, what's happening with you? I'm moving to Tampa. <laughs> Anything else large happening in your life? I'm getting married. Yeah. yeah. Is she moving to Tampa yet? In August. Okay. So, that, yeah, there might be some tension. You know, I don't know. I'm just throwing some things out, right? We're excited that you're moving. Did you bought a boat recently? I did. Okay. I have a boat. Yeah. Because you're going to do what? Be a charter captain. <laughs> so what I hear you saying is anyone from River City that comes to Tampa is gifted a tour. Not so, some, uh, okay. <laughs> we can bless Reese as we come down. Yeah. So, so just for a long story short, Reese came in really at the beginning of the pandemic and it was at the beginning of when we just started our discipleship groups, which has now become really like the heartbeat of the church. And 
from day one of meeting Reese. He was an open book and fertile soil for the work of the Lord, and he had a, a childlike like desire to really learn. And I think the whole group noticed it in the beginning for those that are here now that are in that group, that were in that group. He was just willing and able and desired. And so to me, it's sad to see you go because you are an example of why I believe the church is here. A true example, someone who steps into community discipleship, who starts to learn to become a disciple. And then it makes sense that you'll be sent to a new city. But I'm sad that you're going to be gone. I think I'm sad that you're not on the softball team anymore. Um, we kind of need you. <laughs> um, and you've actually become a good softball player. And so, <laughs> except for when you slide without pants on. Oh, nice. That's what happens when you slide without pants. For the team. For the team. So, he's got one gear. And it's all out, right? All right. So, if you would just reach your hands towards Reese without touching him in any way. Jesus, we pray extreme amounts of blessing and favor over him as he becomes a Florida man as he moves down to follow this dream, that he would feel your guidance and really seek for your guidance, that decisions would be made with your wisdom in mind and a dependence on you, that you would bring community around him that helps foster what's been started here in Smyrna and even before here, that you would allow him to grow deeper and deeper into your heart and into your life so that he becomes more and more like you in character and conduct, Jesus that his life would be a blessing to every person he meets. God, that you would fill and protect him. And thank you for the deposit he's made here. Keep the friendship strong. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thankful for you, Reese. You're going to go over there? And I promised you guys this a couple weeks ago. We had our birthday Sunday. We had clarity on website and vision. If you look in the back, this is the updated language. It's not brand new. It's tweaked. It's more true to the heart of the church. And this is a reality, these things in the back. Um, but we also gave space during our birthday Sunday for people to share what they've seen God in and through River City to celebrate it. It's important to take note and be thankful of the little things and the big things, but sometimes it, kind of cultivating that spirit of thankfulness fosters an even deeper dependence on Jesus and thankfulness and a reality of why we would be in a city like this, right? And so a couple quick things about a testimony, ABCDEs of testimonies about Jesus, amen, be prepared. That's hard to do when you're not prepared, but in the way that you can come ready to say about a thing. What I think I'm trying to say there is don't just ramble for an hour. Current stuff, don't preach. If you'd like to preach one day, I'd love to meet with you. We can talk through that. Um, expect to finish quickly. And so we do desire to hear, though, and we want to foster some space for people to share. So if you didn't get to share on birthday Sunday, for a few moments today, if you'd like to share something about what you've, what you've seen God do in and through RCC that you want to celebrate, I'm going to give some space. And this is the mic you can use while I hold it. Not a lot feels more awkward than this. Um, there are things that feel more awkward. Like when you're getting off Zoom and everybody's like, that last two seconds you're like, click. That's awkward, but, but I'm still going to stand up here and wait. Thank you. <laughs> Fellow three, you know what's happening. <laughs> yep. 
Um, okay, so the way that I've seen RCC uh, just be wonderful and change our life and all the things. I came about five years ago and did not talk to anyone for an entire year. I was like, I won't like Christians if I get to know them. And then became deeply invested in this church. It got to even work here. And my highlight is my niece and one of my best friends. I got to baptize them last year, and I got to see them come to God from being in a place that was safe. And even though I grew up in the church, I didn't have a lot of church spaces where I felt comfortable bringing people who were struggling with church hurt or like needed just a wrestle. And so I feel really grateful that I go to a church where I know they're going to love people. I know they're going to love them and disciple them even more so. And I've just seen the way that you've not only affected me, but my family and my own internal community. And so, yeah, love you guys. River City loves Mariah. Awesome. Good talk. <laughs> Always works. It's, I don't know why, but I love it. Don't even do it. Don't even say it. The worst thing is when someone goes, oh. <laughs> the tears start coming out, you know, for whatever. So, yeah, the, the RCC experience, I think, uh, is diverse, and one of the, one of the ways it's diverse is in uh, generational kinds of expectations. <clears throat> so there really is open doors for different ages and different relationships within those ages that uh, that establish growth and ways to reach into the Lord for the next steps. So um, so that's that's been good for us. So we just wanted to say that. <clears throat> All the time and we have theology talks it feels like we talk about holiness we talk about atonement i think some we talk about everything that you wonder if it's okay to talk about and it's always such the best conversations craig should write a book just a couple things about him he was at juilliard for dance didn't see that coming right he has written books and multiple songs and Myra's the same depth, too. So if anybody doesn't know them, I think you should invest in meeting with them. So I would celebrate y'all. Amen. Anybody else? Five, four, three, two, and one. We'll open it back up in a few weeks. Was there a child over there that wanted to? Mallory? <laughs> okay. So this is good. So... We're going to transition. I'm going to share with you. We've been, we've been kind of diving into what prayer looks like in a community and personally for the past three months. And we're going to spend another month or two on that. And then we're going to transition in the second half of the year into scripture. We've, through prayer, felt like we were supposed to dive deeper into scripture. There's going to be some great opportunities there. My friend, Dr. Cheryl Johns, is going to teach a course on something related, a seminary level course that she's going to come here and help people either dive into something that's going to help tangibly allow us to step deeper into the Word so that we can actually let it take root in us and so that it can be the life it's supposed to be. So I'm excited about that, but we've, we've been in prayer, and specifically the conversations I've been having with you or preaching from is from the book Praying Life, which was a part of our discipleship group. And so... 
For the past few weeks, we've talked about what does it look like to become childlike again and how we enter into a relationship with Jesus by becoming more childlike, not less childlike. And we actually gave you guys some clay to pray with, which didn't even make sense in my brain until Jessica explained it. And then we became like children. And then last week, Kara spoke on listening prayer and talked about how she sometimes leans into people's voices over and above the voice of the Father and how we can develop a skill set that helps us to listen to our Father. I know 100% of the time that people in a room that hear that, you can listen to the Father, almost instantly bump into a couple walls. I've spoken to too many people about it to recognize that we don't believe a lot of times we can hear or that when we're trying to listen, is it me? Is it the Father? Am I just making stuff up? We've all been around people who have just decided they only hear what's best for them. Like that's a part of a Western culture that's stepping into Christianity is how do you navigate the self selfishness of a singularistic culture with the communal nature of the kingdom of God? How is hearing, hearing the voice of God about blessing and not cursing? And so today I wanna to talk for a moment. Well, I wanna share a couple ways I feel like I hear. And I almost thought when I share this, there's a way that this almost sounds braggy. This process for me has not been easy over my Christian walk. I've been in ministry for almost 20 years now. And for the first 10 of that, I felt like the tone of the Father's voice for me was usually corrective. I would have heard him as corrective only. I wouldn't have given space or credence to that he would want to say things like, you're a blessed son whom I'm well pleased with. That would not have been a foundation. And so I followed what I thought to be that kind of voice. And when I heard it in others, I would have thought, well, that's got to be God because he's trying to fix me. And that's what God does. It took a long time. It took ministry burnout, and it took stepping away from a youth, youth ministry to recognize that all along, he's trying to build a different kind of base. I almost think he's always kinder than we think. I really think, and I think we kind of know, I think there's a lot of us that kind of know, oh, he's a graceful God, but I still think we process what we receive very um, harsh. And I think that when I recognize I hear the voice of Jesus, the most is when it's shockingly good, right? And it's not typically a voice I said. I'm not walking around saying, Josh, you're so awesome today. Or Josh, you're, you're, so, you're so cared for. I don't wake up thinking things like that. I wake up thinking, oh my goodness, I need to accomplish this. But when the moments I can settle into the voice saying, you are a beloved son and actually believe it, the whole world changes around me. I go from anger to my kids to calm long suffering because that's what it is to be a parent to long suffer <laughs> maybe there's a little angst in there i don't know i mean you just there's a different kind of grace connected to when you're walking in step with the father or the shepherd and i believe it looks and sounds like him and so i believe when i really am hearing which i believe i do for me, it's never verbal out loud. It's typically a sense I get from him, a lot of times through scripture or during prayer or from a kind friend. It's rarely from an angry friend. It's rarely from angry words. It's rarely from sarcasm. I don't believe he's sarcastic with me. I'm sarcastic a lot. I'm really trying to grow in that. And somebody's like, why? And yeah, I'm trying to grow in that. But I, my desire for you is to recognize that talking about listening and hearing the voice of God is a lot more than just being able to hear. 
It's about intimacy with who created us. So that connection is massively important. And that he would want us to have that connection more than we want to have it is important to note. It's not like a trick. It's not an obstacle course. He's not trying to get you to do all these things so that you can finally hear him. He wants you to hear him more than you want to hear him. And if you don't want to hear him, there might be a reason why. And so today I'm going to talk to you about something that doesn't seem to fit in a church space, but it changed me when I read it, and I believe it relates to where we're at culturally, and it's cynicism. Everybody say the word cynicism. I want to give you a definition really quickly before we start. Cynicism is an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest skepticism. Here's the reality. A lot, a lot of people, a lot of people are motivated purely by self-interest and skepticism. So cynicism for our cultural climate, I would say is not a thing that we struggle with. I would actually label it as a current strong presence. It's more than a thing I might bump into. It's actually a cultural, accepted, but unknowing agreement that we've made. It's a way for us to protect ourselves. And listen, I get it. You were wronged many times. And as that happens, what happens to our childlikeness that we're born with? There's walls that are built. You got to build walls. You got to protect yourself. And what ends up happening, I believe, is we start to live out a life believing that no good shepherd is in it. So we navigate what it looks like to be in next year, 2023, without a loving father there waiting on us. So because of that, I want to give you the backdrop of a passage Kara read last week, and it's Psalm 23. You all know it. It's okay, though. You can read stuff multiple times. Psalm 23, and it says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. For you are with me to personalize it. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you go back to the previous slide really quickly? I'm just going to ask a few questions just to interact with. Is the Father, and please don't, I mean, Jason, if you're listening, I love you, but he's not here, so he's not going to talk to me right now. <laughs> don't necessarily interact back with me, because I'm not skilled enough at anything I'm doing up here to be able to navigate that. So, is the Lord shepherding you? Are you being shepherded right now? Do, do you not want? Do you not want? Do you wake up thinking, I don't even want stuff? Is he actually leading you beside still waters? And my best interpretation of that is still waters are good. And you can probably drink from them. And I like water. And if he was doing that literally in person with me, I'd just be happy. I'd just be holding his hand like, I'm so down with walking next to rivers. We're just going to hang out. Are you in that kind of emotion with the father? That's not, the, that's not a corrective father. That's a loving father like you would love your two-year-old. 
when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, to put differently, when you're walking through the hardest times of your life, some of you are are right now, are you afraid of what could happen? Yes, we are. Is he with you in that? This is just an interaction with the text about where we actually are, right? Is, Is he there protecting and comforting you? You can go to the next one. If there are enemies about in your life, are you set up to be provided for in that space and feel like I'm about to be taken care of? Or are you about to be devoured by wolves and need to become a wolf? I'm not even, I am going to get into this in a minute. I'm not going to get into it now. Is goodness and mercy following you and... Do you desire to dwell in the house of the Lord? So if any of those answers are no, absolutely all of us, including myself, there's a chance that I've allowed cynicism or other things to possibly seep in in such a way that I'm not aware. Now, cynicism does not just look like, oh, that's cynicism. It appears in its fruit is the, lo- the lack of joy, the lack of hope, and the lack of a will to move forward. Sometimes it looks like I don't want to get out of bed all week. I don't want to even change my clothes. I don't want to see a human. Cynicism has an appearance and a feel, but the trick about cynicism is, and I'm, I'm like all over with this, but I, I got to say this right now. If cynicism were a private school, it's not. This is my thought, so I would not tweet it. It would offer an education and hopelessness, but it would feel elite. Because the tricky part about cynicism is it, it acts as if it knows everything and leads to nothing. It's so interesting, right? And so I want to share with you for a moment what I believe I think will be helpful. It's helpful to me. I think it makes sense about our journey to cynicism. Your scars and your wounds are real, and there's a reason you've replaced the childlike spirit with a cynical spirit. You're protecting yourself. But have you gone a little too far in protection? Have you ever had a neighbor that built a fence that was just too much? You're like, I had a person once that built like a 20-foot fence. It was like literally not a human is going to see into this property. When I think a fence maybe is helpful to maybe keep your dog from running into the street or your kids from doing that, but a fence that keeps life from touching your life would not be a positive fence. I think that's what cynicism might do. It's a way to distance yourself from life happening and to not be engaged, but to protect yourself. Does that make sense? I would actually say fences aren't great, but that's another message. So in the West, the way that this has happened is we're the most optimistic culture until now in history which means we kind of think we can do anything, right? We've got a can-do spirit. And naive optimism, though, is the idea that everything good is going to happen to me. And the problem with naive optimism, which is what we operate in, is when it doesn't happen to you, you don't just get less optimistic. You travel from naive optimism all the way to despair extremely quickly. And when that happens, when you travel to, it was supposed to be this way, it's not this way, 
all the way to despair, you step into cynicism because the outcome that you thought would make everything better didn't happen. So what this psalmist is trying to remind us is that our future is not based in our result happening. That's where we get frustrated. I was supposed to be married by now. I was supposed to have a job by now. I was supposed to get this by now. I need this by, I was definitely not supposed to be sick right now. All of these things that happen in real life to everyone, right? There's no history of a group of humans living forever and getting healthier as they get older, right? Like this is just the reality that's in front of us that we don't really recognize when we're 20. We kind of think it'll just get better and better and better. And literally right now, I can't run to second base because my hamstring went out two weeks ago and I'm still trying to play. So naive optimism, instead of providing a way for us to see how to live this life, it only sets us up to become deeply, deeply broken. And that's because it's it's a future without a good shepherd. And so, so if pleasant results in our life right now are the only thing that are going to get us to be happy, we're going to be disappointed. And it sounds like this. So what does the voice of cynicism sound in our lives? And it sounds like Genesis 3.5, and you can pull this up. And this is interesting because it's the first words, the first conversation from Satan. And it says, for God knows when you eat of, this is Satan talking, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And this is a clever way to say, I actually know better what's happening than God. I actually see behind what's happening and I'm going to show you what's happening. And it questions and then it gossips. So cynicism starts with this kind of thing happening, naive optimism, and then it looks and feels like the voice that we see in Genesis saying, Is that really what God is? Is he really doing that? It feels authentic, it feels elite, and one of the last virtues in our culture is authenticity. And so we really all think that's valuable. So cynicism actually feels authentic. It feels like, well, that's just a, that's a correct lens to look at what's happening right now. So this is why when you come to pray, it feels phony. Because cynicism tells you nothing's gonna get better, nothing you're gonna do is gonna help, so why even start? So it feels authentic to say, I'm not even gonna partner with that. I'm not gonna step into prayer. I'm not gonna step into my relationship with Jesus because nothing is getting better. It looks at things like happened yesterday and it says, I need to distance myself from that. And why would God ever allow something like this to happen? Because cynicism helps us forget that we are saved into the world. We're not saved out of the world. No matter what we were raised in, to say, God sends us as sheep amongst wolves. He doesn't send us to become wolves with wolves. He doesn't create alternate communities that keep us from operating in a world. He saves us into Smyrna, into our extended families. I know that's hard. Into your your origins, into the places that Jesus doesn't exist so that when we're in a place like that, We don't think, how do I get out of here quickly? We think, I'm in a valley, where is my father? What if the purpose of Psalm 23 is not to teach you he's with you and getting you out, but to teach you you're going in, I'm with you, why would you be there? Why would you be there? 
Why would you be in the space you don't want to be? See, what we want to do is get out, and we do. And maybe you don't just walk out, but maybe you choose some type of alternate artificial something that keeps you sedated so you don't have to deal with it. When Jesus is like, and the presence of the Father is like, that's what I did. I I was incarnate in a world full of evil, right? I came and I became present, and then I was attentive to my Father. That's That's what I love about the childlike spirit of Jesus, is he was never like, Jesus never said, I can do all things through Christ who strengths, and he's Christ. He did what his father did, but he was never disassociated with connection and communing with his father. That would have always been quickly said, I do what my father wants me to do. He came, he became present, he was in our midst. Thank God that he taught us how to be in the midst, because we're saved into the world, not out of it. And to be saved into the world means that there's maybe a purpose for what you're going through, not just that we got to get out of this. When's God going to get me out of this? And he's like, listen, I've been, I've been trying to teach you all along. I'm sending you as sheep amongst the wolves. And I need you to be attentive. When you're in the spot, you're going to want to make it about you. It's not about you. The presence of a loving father is anywhere we are. So any situation you're in, the presence of a loving father is present. But you get the opportunity to say, What is it you're up to? And sometimes he's just cleansing us of our selfishness, which Lord knows we need. Sometimes he's revealing something about someone else that had nothing to do with us, that if we can get out of our own skin for a second, we could see it. Sometimes that annoying person in your family that you're gonna see this year is not just this annoying person, but the person God has actually been pursuing deeply and you're just this close to being able to intercede. And you're just this close to being able to be like, I'm not gonna be a wolf to this wolf. And, and it's not about being manipulated either. It's not about becoming a sheep that's just destroyed. I lived Christianity like that for five years. I thought I was supposed to be happy at all times. I could not be happy at all times. But I did, I did my best to just be positive, right? Like, I think Christian radio does a good job of making us feel like we just gotta be positive at all times, just be positive. And I don't think that's what it's about, right? Where are you really? Where are you really? That's where the Father meets you. Where you are really is where you'll really be met. And if you're in a dark place, there's no, re- there's no way out of a dark place unless you're honest about your dark place. This is where like, redemption comes in. This is where freedom comes in. This is where it makes sense for confession. I love the idea of confession because to me it's not, it's not an accusation. It's not an indictment. Confession is a conversation and an entry into a loving, pursuing father that's pursuing even before, but now I can recognize it. I've been selfish. I've been mean to my kids. I've made this about me. I'm trying to create something in our church that you're not asking me to do. When I can become one with where I really am, The high places and the low places are made one. The two parts of me, the one that y'all see, the one that my family sees, and the one that really is there can do this. And that's what it's about, it's about leveling, right? If we can become one with where we're at, then we can become the people of God and where we're at. And then we can walk into dark places and it not be about us, right? It's hard to see people who have to be optimistic in dark places. It's really uncomfortable, right? There was one time in a service, it will never happen again, it was four years ago, where we, as a, as a staff, had made statements like, you have to celebrate if you're a Christian. And somebody in the room was weeping, and it was because they had just lost someone in their life. 
And I missed the opportunity that the body was to weep with the person. And it felt awful in here to, to be pressing people into celebration when God was asking us to, to weep. We have to become one where we're broken. That's already where Jesus is. He's already in, the, he's, not, he's not waiting for this ecstatic celebratory version of you. We will celebrate, we will be a joy-filled people, we will be a hope-filled people. But it won't be fake, hopefully. It can be real, and I want the real version. I am not a master at not being cynical. And I think that's one of the tricks to cynicism is you feel like you probably don't struggle with it as much as you do. I definitely, I carry that. As I prepared for this, I was like, I'm actually way more cynical. Everybody has a motive. Every person has a motive, especially other Christians, especially other churches that don't have motives. I'm like, no, that they, they're trying to do this. And Jesus is like, they're not trying to do that. That's you trying. You'd probably try and do that. So you're thinking they're doing And that's what I think we do. <laughs> There's... There's no, there's no good way that I live this life assuming that every person's motives are bad. And so there's, there's a few ways that I think, well, first I want to read you this, this is my favorite thing. Psalm 23, this is Psalm 23 if you remove the good shepherd or what the good shepherd does. This is Psalm 23, you can snapshot this, this is so good. All right, let me pull this up. This is it without the good shepherd. I shall want, me, me, my soul, me. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear evil, me, me. Me in the presence of my enemies, my head, my cup, me all the days of my life. That's Psalm 23, lived out without the good shepherd. I think it's funny. I'm, I also started crying this morning, thinking about how real that is. That's where most of us are. And we don't know how to get out. We don't really believe that there's a good shepherd. How do we live as Christians not believing it? Because we're smarter than Christians and we know that it's not real. So why live a life phony? There's no, this is not walking out my fact. We're not called to walk out our fact. So we can't live like it's all gonna be facts. We walk out our faith. And our faith says I, there's distance between me seeing the truth and believing, but if I can't lean into the good shepherd, being the shepherd of Psalm 23, it will be impossible. Not only to have peace and joy, but to affect a broken world where there are mass shootings and there are pandemics and my mom won't stop screaming at me. And all of these things, there's no possible way to lean into the kingdom of God without believing there's a good shepherd in that kingdom. I shared with you a few weeks ago, for anyone to really believe and say yes to Jesus, it doesn't come by being like, you're gonna say yes to Jesus and you're gonna follow. That doesn't work. You have to have had experience with a loving, good shepherd. You have to have had that. You can't make yourself have that. You just create space and trust that Jesus has a story that he's been writing and thinking about over and above any plan we've had. There's trust in believing that God will reach Craig when I feel like Craig needs help. There's trust in believing that God's working on Becca more than I can come up with a pastoral thing to say, work on this. There's so much about the good shepherd that if we can lean in and believe, we'll loosen some of the, the bonds that we live in. And I don't believe he wants us to do that. So what does it look like to actually step into being shepherded? Right, cynicism tells us, cynicism offers itself as humility, 
because it's seen all the options and decided there are no good outcomes, but it also looks like elitism. I know what you're thinking, and it's not gonna work out. And it distances itself. It's never involved, it's never loving, it's never engaging. Am I disengaged, unloving, and not involved? So we step into being a shepherded son and daughter, we can delight. Everybody say delight. What would it be like to just giggle at something? To eat an ice cream and be like, hee To go to a Braves game and celebrate. To be walking with your wife on a walk and just enjoy a tree and be like, that's a beautiful tree. What would it be like to be present and not be worried about tomorrow's workload? What would it be like to not think that you have to have a spouse to be settled? What would it look like? Delight is one of my, this year's cravings for me, is to giggle like an idiot. I will not dance, which means I'll probably dance at some point, but to be goofy, to just like be, to be alive. What does it look like to be alive? It looks like a kid. Go into kids' ministry. I watched them this morning walk from one place to another. There was one, one child was just, just smiling. Like if an adult was doing it, people would be like, Some, are you okay? They just, they just smile because it's time to smile, right? So, so the opposite of cynicism is back to that first message. It's becoming childlike again. Let yourself laugh. Give yourself grace. If you don't meet that unrealistic work goal that nobody's imposing on you except for you, guess what? You'll probably be happier, <laughs> Right? Because a praying life is not just a life that's asking, it's walking with the Father. Man, what, what would Smyrna need more than people walking with the Father, embodying compassion, embodying empathy, embodying care, and willing instead of to run from darknesses, to actually step into them and be like, why am I here? Why am I here? I think about the home for the dying in India that we've, our church went on a mission trip and there's just the last few days of life they're all put in one spot. And Sarah said they got to go in and just wash hands and feet. I think about that when I think about what Christians are to be in a world. Like, we're not supposed to be the richest people, maybe? I don't know. I can't make sense of that. We're not supposed to build big, big, big. I think we're supposed to build deep, deep, deep. Like, what if River City stays the size it is now forever without feeling like we've become a cult? Because I don't think that would be great. But we actually have roots so deep that we're grounded enough to have a non-anxious presence in our lives. That we're grounded enough to be people that know how to say, here's what it looks like to walk with Jesus in a non-hurried way. To be shepherded. To have humility. That's what I'm going after. I don't know if I'm going to get there, but I'm going there. I'm going that direction, and I would like to go there. And so, a couple things that will help us out. <laughs> and I'm going to go through these. Listen, here's just your list for list people. Be warm but not weary, right? And this is the idea of he's sending us out like sheep. This is the idea. He's not asking us to become the smartest Christian wolves ever, right? So you're hopefully optimistic. You're cautiously optimistic. You're cautious because of the fall and sin is alive and real. And you're optimistic because of redemption and Jesus did what he did and he's still doing it. So you can enter places cautiously optimistic. Learn to hope again. Jesus is literally all about hope. And cynicism is the, it's like a uh, hitman for hope. It's like a silent hitman that's got a silenced 
gun that's gonna destroy it at all times. Jesus is all about hope, and hope is not a right now thing. It's the ability to say, I can look forward to a good shepherd there, in my kid's school, in my kid not doing good, in my future, in three years from now. I imagine with hope, what does it look like if Jesus is in that, not assuming that he's not in it, which is literally what we always do. We imagine the worst case. The next one is cultivate a childlike spirit. Just real simply here, you can just ask the worst stuff to him, and he is okay. And the reason I know that is because my kids just ask the worst stuff to me, and I am okay with them. Nava will literally ask all day the same thing. I love her. Last night when I put her to bed, I was telling her, I love you. I, I told her, I'm so thankful that you're my daughter. She told me she hated me yesterday. Do you think, I think God's okay with that kind of, childlikeness is just, they don't even have a filter. And then the other thing about this is imagine that God is doing things instead of looking for the things he's not doing and why is he not doing it? Imagine something is happening that he's up to and maybe you've just missed it, even if it's little. Nancy got up two weeks ago and she did this. She said, when I think of River City, I'm just so hopeful for what's to come. I want what's to come. And then she said, God, check my spirit and heart and I was able to see the little things along the way. Oh my goodness, he is active in this. He's here, he's doing stuff, he's doing stuff. Cultivate a thankful spirit. Just think of things to be thankful for. This is so hard and so easy. I'm thankful for trees. I'm always thankful for trees. I love trees, I love rivers. I like many of you a lot. I like all of you. When I show up, this is me honest. When I show up, I, I did not have the best day yesterday, and when I showed up today, I was instantly excited. I walked in and saw Beck. I saw the people on stage and I thought, I like these people. I was thankful. I saw you and I was also thankful. <laughs> I saw all of you. Michael, I saw Michael walking across the parking lot to get here from his house. I was thankful. I, there's so many things you could be thankful about that would literally change the framework of how you are alive. It would keep you from being like, I'm not thankful for this because there's plenty of that. Cultivate repentance. And I'm just gonna say one quick word about this, and I already said it. There's two versions of us. There's the one we present. We're all really good at this. We see this in the beginning of dating a lot. Like that first month or two of dating is like, who are you? Who are these two people? They're not gonna be there in five years. Those people are long gone. And then this real version surfaces, and you're like, okay. So it's almost like when you marry somebody, you remarry them in five years because that's the real them and it takes about that long to be like, oh, okay, I got you. So there's this real version and then there's this version we keep hidden and this hidden version is probably more the real version. And re what repentance does is it brings honesty to this and it becomes healed and then this fake version can come down. It doesn't need to be up there. And then there's a leveling Right? This is that old that passage that bring the high places low and the low places high. This made that made sense to me. Because if there's actual unity in the who we are behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, how much peace would there be? And so repentance can happen just with you and him. And I think that's a great start. But if you can cultivate repentance, then you can cultivate dependence. And Jesus showed us that he was always dependent on the Father. And it's actually a blessing to be dependent, not independent. 
even though you want to be an independent woman. And that's a, that's a song. And that's not bad. But what about cultivating it? Next week, we're going to talk about developing an eye for Jesus. And so I'm going to close with this. I want you to remember that you've been saved into the world. You've been saved into the world, into the darkness, into the joy. You've been saved into the things maybe even right now are not the things you want to happen. That does not mean your father does not love you. I want you to look for the father's story in the places you have not been looking. Please hear me. Where you've been struggling, look for the father's story. He can be found. That's where he resides. He's close to the broken, close to the brokenhearted. That's who receives the earth. Like that's who the blessings rests upon those who are weak. He, we're made strong. He's made strong in our weakness. It's just beautiful. And then I want to just share with you this. If there's an outcome happening right now that you're broken about, if there's something happening right now that you've decided, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore because of this. I want you to just give space that he's probably asking you to go deeper with him in that. And somehow that will help you that happen. If you guys will stand with me. If you could close your eyes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this over you as a blessing. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil for he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. He even prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
self-control, Josh. So I want to pray that you have hope all week. And I'm going to encourage you to jump into this passage every day and ask for the shepherd to bring light to it, that he would bring restoration and joy, and that you would feel his nearness. Oh, God, that we would feel your nearness, experience it. God, without your presence, what can we do? Without your presence, why are we here? So thank you that you promised to be with us. Pray blessing and peace and joy. In Jesus' holy name over all of you. Amen. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Service is over, but church is not. Amen. See you guys next week. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.